It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Monday episode of Locked On Raptors, we take a look at the Raptors offseason so far and ask, has it been a success if this is all they do? If they don't go get Kevin Durant, is adding Otto Porter, bringing back Chris Boucher and Thad Young, and drafting Christian Coloco along with their back-end roster signings enough to satiate the Raptors fan base? We'll dig into that question and more with Amit Mann of Yahoo Sports Canada coming up on today's episode of Locked On Raptors. Thanks for being here. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot trying to miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1222 of Locked on Raptors for Monday, July the 25th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked on Raptors. And you can follow, subscribe to, rate, review the podcast for free on all your favorite audio podcast apps. You can also go to YouTube and subscribe over there. Just hit the big, fat, red subscribe button. You can't miss it to support the show, help build the channel. We're nearing 2,500 subs, which is wonderful. And we've had a nice little surge lately. So thank you to all of those who have popped on. And thank you in particular to all the people who watched the episode on Friday with Jake Fish. Lots of people in the comments being like, Jake Fisher, Raptors fans don't like him. Well, yeah, guess what? Lots of people watched it. So uh, thank you for your patronage. (laughs) Anyway, uh, Jake Fisher's great. Learn how reporting works if you have a problem with Jake Fisher. Uh, All right, let's get to it on today's show. We are going to dig into a big, overarching Raptors-y question. Has this offseason been a success for the Toronto Raptors? And we are going to do so with Amit Mann of Yahoo Sports Canada, who is here with me now. Hey, man, how's it going? Oh, man, thanks for having me. Always a, a fun time jumping on Lockdown Raptors, hosted by Sean Woodley. Always <laughs> love having you. Uh, I was on your show last week. We do a little home and home. You're also, like, staying for an extra night of hanging out with me. Not an extra night, an extra part of the morning. <laughs> this morning, you're going to be recording an episode that will drop while I'm away on my honeymoon next month. So that'll be fun, too. You're going to be part of our Great Raptors Heartbreaks series of shows, which will be utterly depressing. Uh, we're going to talk about yes. Game Very 7 sad. against Boston, <laughs> which is about as sad as it gets, I think, in recent Raptors history. But we'll save that for later. We're going to look ahead to the future and look at the very near past in the offseason where the Raptors signed Otto Porter Jr. using a chunk of the mid-level exception. They brought back Thad Young and Chris Boucher for about a combined 20 million-ish dollars, which we kind of all expected ahead of time. And they drafted Christian Coloco, 33rd overall. Those are sort of the big, broad strokes of the offseason. Not to mention, they've been very much caught up in this Kevin Durant business, which we will address, I suppose. But I guess the question to start off with, Ahmed, is... If this is all the Raptors do, if they come into the next next season making no more moves, this is the team they have, was it a successful offseason, in your opinion? 
I think you have to say that it is because you got to think about what the expectations were from the Toronto Raptors and how busy they were going to be in the offseason anyways. I look at mm. it like this, like if you are buying a house or you're contemplating buying a house, you could move and go to a big fancy house or a bigger one with more bedrooms, more bathrooms and all that kind of stuff. Or you renovate your current house. Mm-hmm. You grow, you add a backyard, you renovate your basement, you, you know, add some new cabinets and get some hardwood floors. That's what they're kind of doing. Internal development. You internally develop all your players. You all, all collectively, um, you take steps forward. You add better three-point shooting. You add better driving skills. You add a better uh, basketball IQ and decision-making skills. And that is, in a way, you are developing your roster. Sure, they haven't made too many moves, but I don't think that they're at a point where they're going to make a lot of moves. I mean, I'm sure you said it. I said it certainly um, after the uh, season ended that probably expect a pretty quiet offseason. Obviously, Kevin Durant has kind of skewed that a little bit, has made that a little more complicated. But also, I mean, I mean, mean, maybe you saw the news that Boston Celtics are in the talks. But all that's to say is that I think the Raptors are more focused on just making sure that their players – that they have that they want to commit to are going to be taking steps forward. And that was going to be the biggest way that they developed their roster. So, yeah, I look forward to the incoming HGTV show, Amit or list it, uh, that it's going to be great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so I am with you a hundred percent. And I think if they do nothing else, this is a no brainer success of an off season mm-hmm. for the Raptors. And it's because they kind of follow the exact script. I think we laid out, ahead of time, right? You know, the KD stuff notwithstanding, we don't know if that's ever actually going to happen. I would bet against it uh, more than I would bet, you know, in favor of it happening. That's kind of the way to go with any trade, but specifically one Mm. of this magnitude. It's just really hard to get these trades to the finish line, and with the way the market's developing, as more teams maybe jump into the ring, maybe that creates a bidding war, maybe that sort of accelerates what happens here with with the KD stuff, but I also think the Raptors are not under any sort of duress to go make a trade the way some other teams might be so i would bet that it's probably not going to happen and maybe the moment for it to happen is kind of past as the nets seem to be hunkering in for a long long bout of negotiating through shams which uh you know that was pretty (laughs) obviously on display in that piece where hey if you italicize kevin durant's name in your piece detailing the celtics potential interest that just obviously he's kevin durant in italics you have to trade everything (laughs) for him now that's we can get into speaking of kevin freaking durant not great reporting yeah uh anyway uh so yeah because they followed the script because they didn't do anything too crazy because they brought back chris boucher and thad young on reasonable contracts and because they made a really good use of that mid-level slot it wasn't one of these situations where they were kind of waiting and then maybe they got stuck at the end with an aaron baines type like they got in maybe they weren't like on the day one signing a really good player with that Mm mid-level but Otto porter he kind of fits everything this team needs and you know, outside of the durability questions, which are certainly real and, you know, have to be considered, but, you know, with the fact that they have depth of that position, it can probably withstand it a little bit more. You know, the, the Porter thing, I think, is just such a perfect addition. I'm curious, Amit, like, was there, you know, before the offseason started, we did, like, on this show, Mid-Level Madness, where for, like, four yeah. different episodes, we pulled guys' names out of hats as potential fits for the Raptors with the mid-level, and Otto Porter's name never came up. And when the Raptors signed him, I was like, oh, that was the perfect fit all along. Is there someone who you would have preferred in that spot to maybe make a better use of it? Or now that you kind of look at the landscape and where guys ended up, is Porter like kind of the best case scenario there? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I did my share of mid-level kind of madness podcast too, and I saw his name, and I'm, I just thought, I'm like, he's not going to be a Raptor. I mean, we always <laughs> go into these situations, and we're like, how about this guy? How about that guy? How about this guy? And it's never those people. They always get an Aaron Baines or something like that. So sure. I just put him on the back burner saying, yeah, it'd be cool, but it's not going to happen. I was thinking more about you know guard depth and a little right. bit more perimeter shooting, a little more ball handling. That's kind of where my head was, so... A person like Gary Harris came to mind for me. I thought he would be really interesting, but he also made more than the middle of exception. So congrats to him. Don't Otto worry. Jr. He's very yeah. much getting traded at the deadline, and the Raptors will be right back in there, I'm sure. <laughs> hey, there you go. Otto Porter Jr., I mean, I think, like you said, he almost fits too well. He is exactly a Raptors-y player. He can, he's very switchable. He can, he can guard, like, you know, what, three to five. He can play some small ball center. He's versatile. He can uh, put the ball on the floor. He's a great bench piece. He knows his role and is happy to do it. And he's a great catch and shoot three point shooter. And my goodness, boy, do the Raptors need that last mm -hmm. uh, after the all-star break last year, they were 28th in three point percentage, 28th yeah. Pascal Siakam still averaged 5.5 assists, despite them being 28th <laughs> in three point percentage. Like they really, really need this. And you talk about OG and Anobi wanting to be a bigger part of the offense. Somebody has to be in that corner hitting threes. That's why OG is so valuable. He has to be in the corner because frankly, they don't have too many players who can do it. So, sure. sure. I mean, pressure the Chua uh, took some steps. I hope Chris Boucher is able to kind of find his three point shot again. He had some up and down moments, but if he could be more of a, a stable threat there, that'd be great. But Otto Porter Jr. Is a corner three point shooter. He's an above the, above the break three point shooter. He can do it. And uh, he's a person that you could slot in in so many different places, and you are pretty confident that you're going to get great production from him. That is, I think, the biggest thing the Raptors needed. They need more depth, more rotation pieces. How many times did we see they were going like six deep, and Nick yeah. Nurse refused to use any of the other bajillion <laughs> players on his bench. He just would not do it because he's like, I don't trust you. I'd rather yeah. run these guys into the ground, Fred Van Vliet instead of putting some of these other guys on the court because I don't trust them. They're not going to help me win games. Otto Porter Jr. is going to help them win games. Yeah, 100%. I, I think he's going to be a great fit. And I think the fact that they don't have to rely on him to play 82 games of 24 minutes mm -hmm. a night it, because they have the other depth elsewhere is really great. But also the thing that he provides is a bit of cushion. If you do have more injury trouble from a guy like OG, you can just very easily plop Otto Porter into the starting lineup and yeah. very little changes. Obviously a little bit less dynamic than OG, a little bit less in terms of multi-positional defense. But, you know, you lose OG, you're going to lose very good things. That's what happens when injuries take place to good players. But as sort of a backstop, to fill in in the need sure. in the case where injury does sort of create that need i think porter is an awesome fit and really is sort of the the standout addition of the offseason i do want to talk about maybe ways they could enhance this offseason and you mentioned fred van vliet i want to talk about his extension status coming up in just one second here but first I want to tell you about our friends over at betonline.net the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your sports betting needs find your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds lines and games you can find reviews news injury reports for every single league including major league baseball the nfl nba nhl combat sports esports even golf 
it's all there for you. Maybe you're someone who likes to be the smart person every year that put mo- puts money on the over for the Toronto Raptors. They've hit it, I think, eight of the last nine seasons. It's a pretty good bet to bet the over, especially when they're setting the over-under well below their win total from last season. So if you want to get out on that action, go to betonline.net. Find the lines, find everything you need to become the informed wager, and put your money down on the Toronto Raptors. Win at a whole boatload of games next season, baby. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. Everything that's happening today, Bet Online is where the game starts. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast. And being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Great read. And we continue on here with your, what was that? What'd you say? I said great read. Oh, thank you so much. Very appreciate it. Uh, I'll tell my bosses that they were good. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, we continue on here with your first listen of the day, digging into the Toronto Raptors offseason and the success of it as a whole. And, you know, like we kind of said, I think they got the main priorities taken care of. When I At the start of the offseason, I said getting Chris Boucher back is priority number one. They did that. Getting Thad Young back, priority number two. They did that. They kept their guys. And then they brought in Porter, a fantastic addition. The other thing I was really hoping to see, as it was reported just before free agency opened that it might happen, but is yet to go down yet, is an extension for one Fred Van Vliet, who, of course, at the end of next season has an opt-out in his contract, and he will likely exercise that because that's what players do when they're very good at basketball and want to earn more bucks. And so... I'm very curious where this sits right now because, you know, he did not, has not signed the extension as far as we know just yet, despite it being reported that it was very likely by our friend Jake Fisher. Um, And also the sort of idea that he could hit free agency next summer is a little intriguing because Zach Lowe literally mentioned it on his podcast on Friday. Whenever Zach Lowe mentions something, I I kind of like the eyebrows go up a little bit. And so Mm -hmm. I am curious, like if maybe there's something there, maybe things have changed. Maybe it doesn't seem like he's going to be brought back on an extension i've been very pro fred van vliet extension all summer long i think they should do it i think they should lock in this team i think they should give this team time to germinate and grow at the same time you could maybe talk me into the idea that fred van vliet just as a like style of player doesn't fit what the raptors want to do and maybe if he opts out that's an easy pivot point away from uh, having a traditional point guard for this team. Not the way I hope they go, for sure, but it's certainly on the table as they've seen to go very much in on six foot nine or bust on this team. Where mm-hmm. are you at with a Fred extension and would having an extension written in, in stone before the season begins sort of cement a really successful offseason for you? And would a lack of an extension for Fred actually maybe make it so it's a bit of a failure? Well, the Kevin Durant thing is where this really does ring um, as a as a 
it's a catalyst to whether yeah. or not this extension is going to happen. Because I mean, we're talking about adding a lot of salary. Um, a lot of money's at, at stake here. And sure. so for Fred, if they were to, and that's kind, this is kind of where I, I do think the Raptors were like truly interested in Kevin Durant because they were looking at the field and saying, well, I mean, how many people are going to beat our offer? And they mm. were just being very careful with their chips. Do I think there's an extension on the table for Fred Van Vliet? I mean, probably. I think the Raptors would be interested in bringing him back. I don't see why you would not want to bring him back. Sure, there is a, you know, the six nine vision, all that kind of stuff. But you still do need shooting. You still do need leadership. You still do need perimeter defense. And Fred does all of that at a pretty high clip. And we saw how effective it was to have, you know, Fred as an off-ball player. You got Scotty Barnes on the ball. Uh, Pascal Siakam on the ball and you have Fred on the corner or like rolling around the baseline and hitting shots like that's a talent that you need and I think people have kind of been a little bit ho-hum on Fred because of his injuries but let's keep in mind that in January Monty Williams was uh, talking about Fred Vliet saying like man this guy is one of the best players in the Eastern Conference right now that's where Fred was before he got hurt but it's been so many months of him being injured and being half of himself i think we've all forgotten i mean or at least a lot of people have forgotten you know who he is and how good he is and you know how quick he can be at times and his lateral defense and how how uh, in transition how he how quickly he can get his shot off and how dynamic of a player he is we just we haven't seen it in so long so i would bank on fred obviously getting back to that point and i think it's pretty hard to find a player of Fred Van Vliet's skill set when you factor in what he can do offensively and also being like that anchor on the or a point of attack defender um an off-ball defender um on defense he's a leader on both ends totally I think it was b-ball index that put out a graphic of like the best three and d players in the NBA last week and <laughs> yeah. it literally ranked Fred Van Vliet as the best three and d player in the <laughs> NBA based on quality of player he guarded and efficiency on catch-and-shoot threes. He's really yeah. good, and if you are going to base your opinions of him on the last few months of last season, I think you're setting yourself up for a whole world of hurt. It really would be like comparing, you know, or sort of using the last few months of Kyle Lowry's 2014-15 going into the Wizards sweep as sort of the determining factor of what mm. Kyle Lowry is as a player. It's just yeah. not re- representative. Injuries are a thing, and the Raptors need to find a way to be better about it and ensure that Fred's not going to break down and I think they have the depth now to probably ensure that's the case it's going to be on Nick Nurse to be a little bit more wary of that I think but uh, yeah I I think Fred is such a good fit on this team he's such a culture setter too I can't Mm. imagine the team is really is like looking and saying well we got to move on from this guy because he's not six foot nine I made that joke in jest or made that comment in jest because that's sort of the way things have trended here but I don't think they're entirely ghoulish who just eh, like fools who just don't look at anyone who's over under six five and say get out of my house like they're not Mm. they're not that sort of narrowly focused and black and white about this team building vision I would assume and like there's a lot with Fred there a lot of equity tied into him with the franchise a lot of connection and and, you know ups and downs and trials tribulations championship pedigree all that stuff I would be pretty stunned if they don't want him around beyond next season and I think I agree that the KD thing probably is sort of the big thing hanging over everything here and preventing things from happening it's the reason we probably haven't seen Christian Coloco sign his rookie level deal as well they're probably waiting to see, okay, what kind of money do we have in the event a deal comes together? Which leads me to this next question related to the offseason, Amit. Like, is there a point at which you think the Raptors should just, like, stop considering Kevin Durant as an option? Like, you know, in the piece that Shams wrote today over The Athletic about the Celtics, he mentioned that sort of September 26th, the day camps open up, media day, all of that is sort of like the unofficial deadline for some teams mm. to try to trade for KD. 
you know, that almost feels like it's leaving it a little bit late if you're the Raptors. At some point, would you just say, you know what, we're good, we're going to walk away, we're happy with what we have? Or because it's Kevin Durant, do you kind of have to keep that door at least slightly propped open as long as he is on the nets? It's slightly open because I'm not sure how much the Raptors are really going to change their offer. Like, I don't think they're going to include Scotty Barnes anytime soon. I don't think they're going to include Pascal Siakam either, because even if they do get Kevin Durant, you still have to have a team that you can put on, put on the floor that is championship level, and you need Pascal for that. Yeah. So I think the Raptors are sort of in a, a waiting period, but obviously when it comes to contracts, extensions, Coloco, all this stuff, there is going to be a drop-dead date at some point. I would envision Kevin Durant's traded before that drop dead date happens because simply like the Nets have to move on too, and other franchises have to move on. And with the Celtics, the offer that they may have, I mean, if Jalen Brown's on the table and you look at the contracts that they could potentially give to the Brooklyn Nets, like the money's there, everything kind of fits if they want to do it. And now that, I mean, just on a side note on the Celtics, now that Jalen Brown's name is in this stuff and mm. Jalen Brown knows that his name is in this stuff, it's awfully hard to bring him back though, man. Like that's like a, that's a pretty, it's a pretty crappy feeling for a player, especially with everything he's uh, done for the Celtics and the the time that he's had with them. It's just not a great feeling. To, I mean, it's the business of basketball and all that kind of stuff, but stuff like this can really divide a player in a franchise. And even with Donovan Mitchell and the Utah Jazz, like with everything that's circulating around them too. I mean, I, I can't see john and mitchell going back to the utah jazz considering right. where everything is right now the reports are nearly as strong as like here is a potential trade here it is right here as it is with the the celtics and uh and kevin durant um and jalen brown and all that kind of stuff but all that considering is that i just think the raptors are in a holding period and they're going to be waiting for things to kind of play itself out but i don't think they're going to really change their stance because they're just not in that year where it really they really have to make a jump for Kevin Durant with Kawhi mm -hmm. Leonard they had to do it kind of it yeah. was like time they had to make that move just with contract structures and their window they entered it they had there was no going back now right yeah. The Raptors, they're they're not there yet. They got a couple more years here. Sure, there are some players who are going to become free agents, become very expensive, and there's going to have to be some movement, I would think, in some capacity. That's why I think their names are in a lot of these, you know, potential star players. Donovan Mitchell was in. Uh, the Raptors were linked to Donovan Mitchell, right? Um, mm -hmm. Who knows how like valid that is? Like, it could, is it just a phone call? Is it just Masai saying so? What, what would you want for Donovan Mitchell? Really? Yeah. Like, it could yeah. just be a phone call. We have absolutely no idea. But totally, the Raptors are getting to that day. Um, I just don't think it's happening right now. Next offseason, sure. At the deadline, you know, Gary Trent Jr., that kind of thing. Like, maybe we see something there. But mm -hmm. this offseason, right now, I just don't see a point in doing it. And I think that's the way the Raptors view it, too. Yeah, I, I think I'm with you. I, you know, it's interesting you mentioned the Celtics thing with Jalen Brown's name coming up. Like, while I agree it's risky to circulate a dude's name out there or i guess it's probably in this case sean marks circulating jalen brown's name um you know i can't imagine the celtics are like hey we have offered jalen brown and Derek white in a first please tell everybody about this um yeah. so yeah i i think you know I don't think the Mitchell and Brown things are necessarily the same. I mean, OG's name's been mentioned in trade stuff all summer long. I don't think that means that you can't bring him back with the Raptors. I also don't really think 
that, you know, while I would love nothing more than for this to be the beginning of the end for the Celtics and have them melt down based on this one rumor, <laughs> uh, I don't know if it's quite to the level. Like, it's Kevin Durant. I feel like any player with a head yeah. on their shoulders realizes, you know what, I could be traded for Kevin Durant. And frankly, that's probably a badge of honor if I get traded for Kevin freaking Durant, italicized, you know? Um, so, of course. you know, that, that's an interesting <laughs> one. But yeah, I, I think for me... I think there probably should be a bit of a walk away date, honestly. Like, I, I think you got to sort of get into the season and sort of just get mm. off on the right foot and, and not yeah. sort of wait around. Like, if it was something that you were that desperate to pull off, you'd probably put your best offer on the deal anyway. And if it's a matter of just kind of waiting it out until the Nets are forced to settle, I wonder if maybe you sort of say, all right, well, the offer's coming off the table on September the 15th, and that's just it. And maybe that's what gets the Nets to bite. Or mm -hmm. maybe they just move on and continue to wait for their price that they're simply not going to get for the 34-year-old who's asked for a trade. But that's besides the point. Uh, we'll continue on here, round out with some final thoughts on the offseason in just one second here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Locked On NBA, who every single day are covering the league in wonderful detail daily throughout the offseason as well monday through friday digging into all the big stories kevin durant donovan mitchell previewing the season to come it's all there for you go check out locked on nba on your favorite podcast apps or on youtube for free this is jake from locked on locked on has teamed up with state farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in nba history after beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And we continue on here, rounding out to your first listen of the day, talking about the Raptors offseason and the good, the bad, the medium. Is there <laughs> something, Amit, that you know, kind of, you didn't love from this offseason? Is there something that you kind of wish that the Raptors had gone and pursued? You know, it's a tough question, right? Because they didn't have a ton of flexibility, right? But yeah. is there anything that kind of left you wanting about this offseason for the team? Well, you look at the flaws of the roster, and it's three-point shooting, it's rim protection, and I think it's just finishing around the rim and players who can put pressure on the rim and score down there. Um, that's why I mentioned a player like Gary Harris. He's not that's, that he's like a, a, you know, a three level score by any means, but he can at least finish in the mid range area. And really, um, a Malik Monk is another player that came to mind. Someone who can just like get in the paint, paint and, uh, make things happen. I remember Shea at a, a team Canada media availability and he was asked about, you know, what's the difference between the international game and NBA. He's like, yeah, there are differences, but really it comes down to the same thing. You got to get in that box. It's all about mm -hmm. getting in that box, getting in the paint getting the defense moving, um, getting guys in transition and getting bodies moving so that way you can find advantages on the court. And the Raptors just don't have enough players who can do that. Yeah, I mean, Pascal Siakam is obviously pretty high level at it. Um, I think there's something to to say about Scotty Barnes, you know, 
last season. He averaged 0.87 points per possession in isolation. Sure, it was not a huge sample size, but Pascal Siakam was also at 0.90. And you think of what Scotty Barnes is now, what he could be in the future. I think there is something there with him mm-hmm. that you could probably uh, tap into a little bit. Um, so that would be the thing, is that I, I want to see more ability to get in the paint and to create an easier half-court offensive flow for the Raptors. And it's a little bit of a Nick Nurse question, too, is, you yeah. know, it's a pretty stagnant offense at the time. Um, is that because, you know, another thing that I think is something that's with the Raptors is that they got so many players playing so many different positions. And I remember Thad yeah. Young, when he was introduced to the Raptors, he's like, yeah, it's interesting that I got to learn how to play three different positions on both <laughs> ends of the court. That can yeah. be a little bit tricky. I haven't had to do that before. So you had a lot of players doing that. Um, and I would yeah. imagine that took some transition, that took some time for them to get wrap their heads around it. But now that you know they have a bit more cohesion, everyone's kind of entering year, year two of this, maybe now you can complicate the offense just a little bit so there's more, uh, more actions in the offense. So it's not just so isolation heavy, sure, I mean, isolation is good, right? It's a great way to uh, create half-court offense, especially when you got the players and, you know, playoffs. A lot of it is isolation anyways, but mm-hmm. I do think that you need a little more variety with your offense. So maybe Nick Nurse can can do that um, heading into this season, and maybe that's on the docket for him. Maybe that's something he wants to make happen for them. But overall, it's a lot more rim pressure, and maybe you can get that through, once again, internal development. <laughs> Yeah, I think that is sort of the thing they're banking on here, right? Is their yeah. capacity to sort of address their issues by just developing the guys they have in-house along. And, I, you know, Scotty Barnes to me is sort of like, yeah, okay, that guy's going to figure out how to get to the rim. He can get to his spots anytime he wants. Sure. Um, you know, he's got that sort of weird herky-jerky post game. Like, he's going to be fine, and I think he will help with the rim pressure. And I think, honestly... Like Siakam has always been very good at getting to the rim. It's been a little bit more difficult for him the last couple of seasons because mm. there just hasn't been a lot of spacing, right? There's been bigs yeah. clogging things up. And I wonder if the addition of Otto Porter Jr., the ascendance of Precious Achua as a three-point shooter, and then hopefully a bounce back from Chris Boucher, and then just like, you know, a one-a-game sort of level of, of competence from the Thad Young or someone like mm. that, like, I wonder if that gives them enough shooting to sort of allow those sure. easy driving lanes for Siakam and Barnes and Fred Van Vliet as well, who's obviously a really good drive and kick player. And I wonder if that's just sort of, you know, you, you add a little bit more space into the mix and that solves a lot of the issues they've had. Um, you know, I, I think it's interesting because like their their offense was not as bad as we thought it would be last season. It was driven a lot by transition, of course, but in transition, they weren't terribly efficient. Like they were one of the worst teams no. in terms of transition <laughs> efficiency. They just did it so much that they scored a whole bunch there and it was fine. Yep. But I, I do wonder if maybe they can sort of trust a little bit more in their half-court offense this season, knowing that Pascal Siakam can now be an engine for you, knowing that Scotty Barnes is probably going to have a step or two in his sort of overall playmaking game, and then hopefully with some health from Fred Van Vliet, a little bit more in terms of, you know, Thad Young playmaking, a little bit more putting on the deck from Precious Achua without it being a disaster. Like, all of these sort of incremental improvements and small changes in the sort of geometry of the floor, I yeah. think actually could make it so the bet for the Raptors that their internal development can address their issues will actually pay off, which is a pretty intriguing thing. Um, any parting shots on the, on the offseason overall? I think the sort of thing for me, and I'm curious what you think about this, is like the one disappointment 
is that it became another dramatic, stressful offseason when it seemed like <laughs> it was set up to be an absolutely relaxed Hakuna Matata. Everything's fine. They're just going to bring the dudes back and everyone's going to be happy offseason. It got a lot weirder than that. You know, you had the OG mm. stuff early on and the sort of connection to the Blazers. You had, obviously, the KD stuff still hanging over everything that makes it all very dramatic. And the Raptors are one of the most dramatic teams in the NBA now as a result. Like, are you at all disappointed that this didn't just sort of play out like a chill offseason? Or are you thankful that we've gotten to talk about Kevin Durant for a month now? I think it's interesting that the Raptors were involved in those talks because... Yeah because of the expectation that it was going to be a very quiet offseason. But then, oh, Rudy Gobert, the Raptors are linked to him. Oh, Donovan yeah. Mitchell, the Raptors are linked to him. Oh, Kevin Durant. Like, a lot of different players have been linked to the Toronto Raptors. How valid are all those rumors? I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's a phone call. Like I said earlier, every every team is going to probably place a phone call, at least on, on a star player who could be available. Um, but it's interesting that the Raptors are involved in those conversations because I think they see uh, what they have in front of them and that they got like six players who are really, really good, who are about to get really expensive. I mean, Pascal Siakam would be ex the exception because he's already very, very expensive, making over $30 mm -hmm. million dollars a year. It's like, mm -hmm. but the other guys, I mean, Precious, uh, Trent Jr., Ananobi, they're all going to get like, they're going to be $20 million plus players at some point in their NBA, NBA careers and in the near future. So they see that, well, we probably can't afford all of them. What if we can, you know, swing a trade, get some other players um, on some long-term value, and that's going to set us up to be in the championship contention for a few years um, in the very near future. I think it's it's good that they're in those talks. Sure, it was stressful, and like I was, you know, looking at my phone at 5 a.m., I wake up, I'm like, am I, am I going to see a Kevin Durant to the Raptors trade? Like, that stuff was <laughs> happening. It's like, but it's good that they're there. It's good. I mean, this team is coming off a really successful rebuilding year. I can't even believe that we're calling it a rebuilding year. And they won mm -hmm. 48 games. And yeah. there's so much going for them going into this season. They could, you know, if they get some better injury luck, they could win over 50 games. It's not out of the realm of possibility, especially considering, you know, the depth that they have now. They could probably withstand some injuries a little bit better than they were able to last season with Otto Porter Jr., with Chris Boucher, you know, accepting his role as JYD 2.0. Thad Young is going to be here <laughs> all season. Um, there's a chance that they're going to be really good next year. And I think a lot of people are unsure what tier the Raptors are in. Are they in that top three? Probably not, but they're knocking mm -hmm. on the door. And we're going to yeah. get a good idea of who the Raptors are really early in the season because of the continuity they already have. Like how much is really going to be different from last season? It's just going to be in the ways that players have developed. The cohesion is there. The talent is already there. Um, the defenses are obviously going to be one of their their anchors to their team. And I just want to see them back on the floor, man. I want to see what they look like. I'm done talking about like the back end of the, <laughs> the roster. Like I want to talk about the top seven. <laughs> I want to see how they improve. Yeah. I'm with you totally. I I'm really itching to see this team play now, and it's why I've kind of become a little bit more lukewarm on the KD thing. It's just because, like, yeah. this team's going to be fun as hell, and it's going to be interesting to talk about. But to the point of it sort of not being the ho-hum, quiet offseason we might have hoped for, like, this might just be the new normal for the Raptors, right? They got a lot of dudes who have a lot of value around the league who are on sure. movable contracts. They have all their picks. They're going to be a potential landing spot for any potential star, and they're yeah. in a spot unlike, say the thunder or the rockets or the, the what the jazz will be very soon where they are actually at a moment where they can go trade for a superstar and still have a real you know actual supporting cast and not mm -hmm. just a bunch of speculative teens around to sort of pair with whatever that star is so yeah. 
of course they're going to be in these conversations that just are such an easy fit for a lot of these trades because of the difficulty of sort of salary cap machinations and all that stuff they sort of fit the bill so yeah it's disappointing in some way that they didn't just have a relaxing chill off season but also it's been pretty fun for us contentsmen to be able to talk about this stuff off season long so i guess there's a little (laughs) bit of good and bad along with it Um, they kept us busy man we had to get get to talk about something right totally totally Daily podcast. Do more trade rumors, actually. How about that? Uh, (laughs) With that, we're going to round out this off-season review episode of the podcast. Amit, thank you so much for being here. Anything you would like to promote for the good people out there? Uh, Not much. You can follow me on Twitter at Amit underscore man. You can follow us on YouTube. You can find the podcast at uh, Raptors over everything. Um, It's been a great season and uh, looking forward to year two. It's been uh, of this new vision on what the Raptors are doing. It's going to be an exciting year. Kevin Durant or not. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And and I'm like, you know, I've mentioned the continuity thing, the John Schumann stat that the Raptors are going to be number one in going into this season if everything holds true. Uh, I could totally see them jumping out to like a 12 and two start or something really fun like that. That would be a total blast. Uh, Either way, we're going to leave it there. Thank you so much for tuning in. Go listen to Raptors Over Everything and uh, subscribe to this podcast. Each and every day, you can listen to new episodes or watch new episodes on YouTube. It's free to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. And we'll be back again tomorrow with another episode of Locked on Raptors with our pal Freddie Revis from the Confederacy of Dunks pod. We love Freddie. We're going to have a great time with him tomorrow. And until then, thank you so much. We'll talk to you then. Bye-bye. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.